Hello and welcome to this episode of the Enterprising Gen Z podcast. This is the weekly show we talk to some of the top entrepreneurs and industry experts from around the world to inspire and empower you guys, the next generation of professionals and founders. The Enterprising Gen Z podcast has been listened to in 45 countries around the world, so thank you so much to everybody who's made this happen. My name is Sam Watson, I'm a 19-year-old entrepreneur from North London, now living in Paris. Networking and meeting new people has been probably the most important factor in me getting to where I am today. So that's why we create events directly tailored towards Gen Z to inspire these connections to make entrepreneurship easier. We also allow companies to market their products directly to a unique audience of Gen Z entrepreneurs and professionals through these events. As you know, if you're a regular listener, every week we bring on a fantastic guest who's excelling in whatever the field they're working, either in entrepreneurship or being an expert in their industry. And of course, this week is no exception. On this week's episode, we're chatting to Jolie Toe, the founder of Pioneer. Now, Pioneer is a non-profit organisation aiming to nurture passion for maths in girls through events, articles and workshops. Now, reading through some of Jolie's achievements, um, they are pretty impressive. Um, so she won Gen Z One to Watch in 2021, um, Woman of the Future Young Star Award, and she's also been interviewed by companies like The Times, The Guardian, and she's been on BBC Radio twice. Uh, which is really impressive for a second year uni student. We're going to be talking about how Jolie's been so successful through her PR endeavours and how her business is aligned with her mission, her vision and her values. I really hope you do enjoy this episode and if you are new, leaving a five star review wherever you're listening from, we super appreciate it and make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening from. If you do enjoy and you want to find out a bit more about the show, head over to egzpod.com where you can find out some more information about me, the guests like their LinkedIn's and things like that and also some topical articles about entrepreneurship in the world of business. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey Jolie, how are you? Hey Sam, I'm good thanks. Yeah, how are you? I'm I'm doing well, thank you. Um, So before we start, um, I just want to give you the opportunity to tell everybody who you are and what you do. Sure. So yeah, thanks, Sam. I'm Jolie, uh, as you mentioned, uh, and I'm currently a second year math student at the University of Warwick. Um, and also on the side, apart from doing maths, uh, I also am really interested in entrepreneurship. So I run sort of two startups at the moment. One's a bit more, um, you know, long term or established at the moment in terms of I started it in year 12. It's called Pioneer. It's a nonprofit that gets more girls into maths and related careers. And then my second is something called Blaze Careers Tutoring, very new, still kind of pre-launch and trialing it out. Basically, it's sort of the world's first careers tutoring platform for Gen Z. So, you know, I realized there were A-level tutoring, there was uh, GCSE tutoring, but there was nothing that was tailored in terms of careers for people our age. So yeah, two projects I'm currently working on. Um, so yeah, sounds really fun and exciting so far, but also very um, intimidated by the challenges. No, it sounds like you've got you've got a lot on your plate at the moment. Um, in terms of Pioneer, because you've been running that for about two years, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So you've been running it for for quite a while now. What and you started it in year twelve, as you just said. What what made you want to start it in the first place? Yeah, so I think it all sort of stemmed from my own class. I was sort of looking around me and being someone who's always, you know, questioning things, trying to solve problems and be the sort of first to maybe create a solution. um, You know, I was thinking, I'm the only girl right now, even in a girls school, who wants to do maths at university. And I thought that was really strange. Even at the lecturers, like at at the lecturers, the lecturers were actually telling us um, kind of in the pre-university taster days, Um, they were telling us, oh, we need more girls to apply. And I thought, you know, it's no good just telling us when, you know, you haven't really shown us what to do about it. So I thought, you know, maybe I can try set up a website. So the initial thought was literally just blogs, interviews with 
you know, female mass undergraduates inspiring other people with relatable role models. But then it sort of grew a bit bigger than that. And, you know, I was really glad to start running events, hands on things that sort of made girls see not just through telling them again, as I mentioned, but through showing them that they were good enough. So through hands on activities where through, you know, practical feedback, through doing the actual activities themselves, they realized that they were actually capable. So yeah, definitely that's um, sort of the journey that happened from that one classroom moment. And I read on your LinkedIn, you've helped, is it 2,000 the number? Uh, yeah, so it's, that's kind of grown to 3,000 now. Um, yeah, oh, wow. I'm very good at updating my LinkedIn, but yeah. I mean, that's that's a, that's a, that's a lot of people to have helped. De- definitely when it first started, uh, I remember reaching 600 and sort of having that on our attendee list and thinking, oh my God, like what, what? <laughs> like how did this happen? Um, so now the fact that, you know, it's sort of grown a bit more, um, yeah, I'm really sort of happy with that and really want to continue um, spreading it at university as well, you know, extending the age range, um, definitely a new target for me. You mentioned it briefly, but I'd quite like to go into kind of more detail about it. So it's obviously about supporting women in maths, getting um, women into maths, um, which I think is fantastic. So I love, I love it. <laughs> but I'm interested um, to know in terms of how it connects to your own personal like mission and vision and stuff like that. How does what you're doing with Pioneer um, kind of connect to your personal beliefs? Yeah, I think the main thing for me, my personal belief, like that's core for me is when I'm learning something new, I feel like it's such a waste for me to just absorb all that information and not tell someone about it or help them with it. Um, so I always try and, you know, if I learn something, I'll summarize it or, you know, I'll try to teach it to someone. I think it's just so nice to have this mutual journey of personal development with each other. So that's sort of something that's really driven me behind Pioneer in terms of, you know, I really liked maths at school and I wanted to sort of spread that passion. I wanted other girls to sort of overcome the barriers that they were facing, maybe like of self-confidence, feeling that they um, wouldn't do well enough. So trying to get them to see that actually your capability isn't defined by what you think it currently is. So um, yeah, definitely that's one thing. And second of all, I'd probably say um, I'm someone who really likes to um, you know, start something of my own and be really experimental with it and not be afraid of it going, you know, down the wrong path. Because I think the main thing about entrepreneurship is, you know, you're putting so much time and effort in into something and not knowing whether what, what's going to come out of it, whether it's going to have an impact, whether it would all have gone to waste. Um, you know, I wouldn't really call it waste because obviously there's a lot you pick up from it. But in terms of the tangible goals that other people see. Uh, I think a lot of people obviously define their success through what others think of them. Um, so yeah, that that's sort of one thing for me. I, I really love that aspect of bringing my passion to something, spreading it, sharing it with other people and, you know, being through that journey together. I know I'm still young. I have plenty to learn. Uh, things might go wrong at Pioneer. They often have during the events of, you know, suddenly go, oh no, I forgot to record this. Or actually this part of the event was totally unplanned. Um, But, you know, I think the audience kind of sympathizes with that. They know I'm young. They know that this is a student led startup. And I think that's actually what attracts them to this. Um, So, yeah, I think it's sort of a disadvantage, but an advantage at the same time. Um, Also, I think what you mentioned about, you know, your stuff going to waste, I think is a really interesting point. Um, when I, I, I played a lot of rugby growing up, I've kind of, I've slowed down, but I'm still playing now. Um, just kind of training a bit less than I used to. One of my old rugby coaches told me a quote, which I will never forget. And it's, you don't win and lose, you win and learn. And 
Um, honestly, I think that is probably the best piece, the best quote that I've ever been told ever because it's put my failures into perspective every single time. Um, and then also the second thing you mentioned about student-led startup, um, I think, and I'm in a minority with thinking this, but I think when you're a student and you're starting a, you're, you're creating a startup, it's a bit easier to get, it's, you're more likely to get traction because of the USP of being young. Um, I was just wondering if you think, you know, you started it in year 12, you hadn't even done your A-levels yet. Um, kind of, do you think starting young maybe opens some more doors for you? Oh, definitely. 100%. I always sort of say this every time I talk about Pioneer. I'm like, if you're young right now and you're listening to this, you know, make sure that you start whatever you want to start. Like, even if it's something very small, it could literally be writing your own article, maybe sharing it with a few friends, just a first small step. Um, but yeah, I would always recommend to, as soon as you sort of have that idea, just to go for it, because when you're young, people think, wow, you're, you know, you're not supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be studying at school, for example. So when they see that extra factor, they're much more likely to pay attention. They're suddenly interested. They're like, okay, if we work with you, also, how does that increase our brand, right? That makes us, you know, seem like we support students. We like that entrepreneurial spirit. It supports our culture of innovation. Um, so for them, it's obviously a big plus, but also, you know, a lot of individuals have messaged me on LinkedIn, have asked to partner up just because I am at school, because they also think, you know, when I'm young, uh, I have a lot of um, new ideas, you know, I can have a lot of connections with schools. Um, so yeah, definitely, I think, um, as a result of starting early, um, that's sort of why the companies initially, um, you know, were interested in Pioneer. I think if I started it, 10 years later, uh, they might be thinking, oh, okay, okay, well, this company's just like everyone else. Why would we choose Eve over a, a more established one? So yeah, definitely, I think it was a big factor in Pioneer's growth. I, I actually wrote an article about this exact subject on my website. Um, it was called Start Now. Because if you start your entrepreneurship or your entrepreneurial journey now, uh, my, our age, we have virtually no financial responsibility. We look after ourselves. We pay off the student loan. That's it. We have no mortgage. We have no kids to feed. You know, um, we also have a lot more time um, than if you're working a nine to five job. You can't just leave that job as well. Um, it, it's like the perfect time to start something to dedicate time towards it. If you fail, okay, I've got something to put on my CV. I also think that people have lower expectations of you, as bad as it sounds, when you're younger. So. Say if you came across an obstacle and you struggled with it, people would be more willing to give up free time to help you and to not pay to, to not charge you for it. And they also think, you know, even if you launch a website on Wix, you know, that's amazing. Even though that doesn't require any code, you probably just dragged and dropped something, wrote a quick article. Suddenly, if you're in year 12 and you do it, it's just as impactful as if you're maybe like 30 and you set up a fully fledged business. So I, I think definitely it's all about thinking of the impact on other people. That's how I sort of view all of my decisions. I think, shall I do this right now? Well, what what impact will it have? Well, how impressive will this be for someone on the other side? If it's really impressive, then you know I'll go for it. I always balance up the amount of effort versus the the impact or the opportunity it could lead to, and that's sort of what helps me decide as well um, between really difficult decisions. No, I totally agree with you. Um, I want to move on now to PR. Now PR has been massive. So I read over your LinkedIn, and I nearly fainted um, by reading <laughs> by reading some of the companies who have interviewed. So you've been on four podcasts where you can make that five now. You've been interviewed by uh, The Guardian, The Times, you've been on BBC Radio twice. 
Um, I was just wondering kind of how you got this coverage in the first place. Yeah, so a big part of it was um, that sort of decision-making process I mentioned. So I call this my own 20-second rule, which is that, so for example, um, reaching out to The Guardian, which was my first step in terms of like asking someone big to try and believe in me. Um, I thought, okay, what, what's the pros and cons, right? I felt really scared to email them. I thought they'd probably laugh at me. Uh, I had nothing big at the moment. At, at that stage, I think um, maximum was about 600 students. And I thought, you know, nothing too big. Um, I thought, okay, well, the cons are I waste 20 minutes writing something, fine. But the pros were just endless. Like what if there was just that one person who read it and thought, I really like this. Then, you know, it could lead to an article, it could lead to exposure, more students, people messaging me about partnerships. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do this then. So I overcame that fear um, and I emailed The Guardian. So first time, no response, nothing. I was like, okay, expected. Um, and then I sort of was reading a lot about girls in maths, like obviously researching it. Um, and I came across an article in The Guardian and it was talking about a woman who volunteered her time to free, like do free coaching for a girl in maths. And at the bottom was an email and it said, if you have any more mathematical stories, email this email uh, from The Guardian. And I thought, this is it. Like, th this is the specific topic I need. So then I emailed them. And after like a week or two, they got back to me and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I can't believe it. Um, and yeah, basically they asked me to write something and they like featured me in the Guardian. And then after that stage, literally on the same day that the Guardian article got published, I got an email from BBC Radio uh, London and they were like, oh, we've just read the Guardian article. Would you like to speak a bit more about your business on our um, channel this evening? And I was like, oh my God, literally this evening, such short notice, quite scary. But um, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, just to like chat about it live, to like have my parents listen to it um, live at the same time. Um, and then sort of from there, it escalated. So literally after that one thing, like one day, um, things, more opportunities started coming on. So um, I got contacted by Julie Etchingham, um, who's an ITV news um, presenter. Um, and she's also president of Women of the Year, which is a massive organization full of inspiring women. Um, and she said, okay, I've read about you in The Guardian and I'd really love for you to come speak at um, an event I'm holding uh, at Cambridge, uh, talking about the role of women after the pandemic. Um, and then from there, she then invited me very luckily to the Women of the Year Luncheon Awards, where she selects, um, her and her committee select 400 women across the UK um, to sort of come to, to like a dinner and sort of um, celebrate each other's achievements. And um, yeah, so that was sort of the the journey. And it, it was so crazy and amazing to see sort of from that very first persistent emailing of The Guardian to suddenly um, a few more opportunities. Kind of now, now more businessy, how did you kind of structure those emails? What information did you put in um, yeah. more specifically? Yeah, so for The Guardian, um, I think I basically um, very clearly in the first line was just my name, my age, because I, obviously I was really pushing that I'm young factor. Um, and also the fact that I set up something. And I um, also then talked about like the reach, like maybe just very quickly pioneer an organization with 2000 plus members for girls and maths, like very quickly, um, just to catch their eye. And then um, I think my subject of the email was like, 
17 year old led business or something like that. Like I was just basically again, pushing the age. And then my next paragraph after that line would just be expanding on it. So I'd say Pioneer has worked with, and I listed the like most famous companies um, at that point. Um, and like exactly what we did. And then I also pushed the sort of social enterprise aspect as well. I think they're more likely to cover someone if it's like for the good of the community. So I was talking about um, like the, the the gender imbalance. I gave a statistic. Then I talked about the effect we had. I'm not sure if I put a testimonial in, but I might have thrown in a quick few words from someone Um yeah, and I think that was pretty much it. I kept it really short. Um, and then I basically said, oh, let me know if this fits in with like your content plan or like if you'd like to hear more. Um, and yeah, that was pretty much it. I think I did change my structure a bit um, for different um, organizations I contacted. So for example, Morgan Stanley, when I reached out to them, I made sure it was really, really tailored to their firm. So I was talking about like I showed off my research, I talked about how they already did lots of women initiatives, but um, I was sort of suggesting, why don't you do it for a younger age group now? So I also talked about um, like their values of giving back. And I thought, you know, we perfectly align with that. So I was really sort of, um, you know, um, showing that I really researched them beforehand and was perfectly um, aligned to the point where, you know, they they would have to read it and say, why can't we partner with this organization? Why wouldn't we? Um, also, I was at the beginning stage, obviously, everything non-monetary. I didn't ask for any money. So really, the whole point was just giving back. And that's exactly what they said on their website. It's interesting you mentioned like, the specifics in your email, like really tailoring it to them. Um, I was looking for partnerships for my events company and I contacted, I won't mention the business, um, but I contacted a business that was very specific about a particular product of theirs um, which we'd be able to promote. And they, we set up a call. They're a huge company. They're worth like billions of pounds. Um, and they said, you got the call because you were specific in your email. You were to the point um, and you knew what you were talking about. So I think that's a really interesting point. So in your whole, you know, two years of running Pioneer, you've only done PR yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's all been me. <laughs> to be in all those huge newspapers, you know, media articles, everything is honestly fantastic. So like, congratulations, that's brilliant. Oh yeah, thank you. I mean, um, one of them, like uh, the Times, it wasn't actually to feature me, so they they didn't actually ask. They uh, it was a reporter who actually emailed me saying, um, like through Pioneer, I've seen you have lots of contacts with uh, females in STEM. Do you mind providing a few names so that I could interview them for my recent article? So then I, um, you know responded really quickly. I did the job literally within like an hour. I got her five contacts. I gave her everything. I asked if she needed anything more. So obviously she was really grateful and she was like, thank you so much. And then I sort of used that opportunity to then follow up and say, hey, if you ever have, you know, another article opportunity where you want to feature perhaps like Pioneer. And I sort of told her about myself and she thought, yeah, well, that sounds like really great. Yeah, I'll consider that. And then she asked me to send more details and that's sort of how it developed. So I think always, you know, when I, through, through all these PR opportunities, I never went in thinking I must be featured. I must have my name and my business there to increase our exposure. Um, no, it was all sort of about how can I help you as well? How, how can I make myself seem like someone who's really willing to um, kind of contribute to your cause, um, contribute to sort of like um, like both my aims and your aims. So I was trying to make it as mutual as possible as well. I love that about social enterprises because they're all so selfless. Um, I love that. So you've also, you mentioned earlier briefly um, about your awards and getting invited to the, the dinner that you talked about earlier. Um, now I've got a list here of the awards you've won. I haven't 
got all of them because there were too many to write down. I didn't have enough room on the page. I was just wondering what qualities that you have, what, what are the qualities that you have that you think kind of makes you win these awards? Mm. I think the main thing has been honesty. So um, at no point have I been like, oh, I, I, I set this up and it was amazing and everything went well. We got great glowing testimonials. You know, I do sort of push that and say very um concise statistics showing off uh, great um, feedback or attendees. But I always say, you know, at the same time, I struggled, you know, maybe with my degree or balancing it with alongside work. And I think that authenticity, that really honest factor of admitting to the challenges as well, um, is really something that not everyone does, I don't think. Uh, I think people usually in an interview for an award, they only talk about the glowing stuff. But, you know, I made it seem as if, uh, and it was true, you know, I made it seem as if it was something that required a lot more effort than it sounds on paper. Um, and I think they really appreciated that. They saw that I was a student, that I persevered even through many different challenges. Um, so that's one thing. I think the second thing um, is also when you're talking about your own business, I, I think this is sort of underrated, as obvious as it sounds, but sounding really passionate about it. I think when some people talk about their own uh, project. They sort of act as if it's a really serious, you know, investor presentation. And for me, it's more about this is a chance for you to learn more about why I am where I am today, like why I have set this up. And it's, you know, about getting to know each other's motivations. I always say that, you know, people buy people, they invest in you for your potential and your passion and not for your credentials or like sort of what's on your paper, because that doesn't show anything about you. When you're introducing yourself to other people, do you talk about your list of awards, they're probably just going to think you're cocky. Or do you talk about why you got to where you are today? What, what was the journey? What was the thought process behind it? Which one has more value, right? So that's sort of um, something that um, really drove me to apply for these awards and behind what I said too. When you said people buy from people, you literally took the words straight from my mouth. I actually wrote down a note on my hand, just as you were saying it. Uh, but no, you're right. And I was thinking about this recently. I was on, I was on a, uh, like a strategy call recently and I was discussing um, that for small businesses, it's really important to be a transparent and be personable mm-hmm. um, because you're right, people buy from people. Mm-hmm. And if you are a faceless business as a small business, you're kind of difficult to buy from. I think that links to transparency. I don't know if you've seen a guy called Tim Hayden. He's got a watch brand called Hagley West on TikTok. But he was on an episode of my show quite a while ago now. He's got about 800,000 followers. Um, And people buy from his watch brand because of him. Mm. And because he documents his journey and he's transparent about the failures, the successes, the risks, everything. Mm His whole entrepreneurial life, he's completely transparent about. And I'm kind of trying to model the same thing on my LinkedIn, like being completely honest with how things are going and not just modeling like, yeah. the success and portraying myself as like uber successful. Um, yeah, exactly. There's, there are massive failures that I've had. But as we mentioned earlier, the important thing is I've learned from all, learned from all of them. My next question, you are this summer, you've got a really exciting internship um, at Morgan Stanley, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be awesome. Um, do you want to first tell us a bit about that? And then secondly, what's going to happen with Pioneer when you kind of A, leave university and, and do this internship yeah. and then into the future? Yeah, sure. So uh, the first part, I mean, um, you know, Morgan Stanley has always been somewhere where I've been really excited about. Like I started, I think it was my first work experience in sixth form. So in year 12, I did their step in, step up program. 
And I just remember, you know, everyone was really friendly. It sort of debunked all those myths about investment banking being full of like horrible sort of like, you know, middle-aged men who sort of shout at you. Um, so yeah, that was sort of my first experience of, you know, that the, the whole banking world. And obviously that changed my mind. I suddenly started to fall in love with it. Um, and I picked sales and trading in particular um, because I had done a few trading simulations. So I did uh, the Amplify Me trading simulation. And basically, if you do well in that and show your hardcore technical skill, then they can fast track you to the Morgan Stanley uh, internship process. So that's sort of how that um, came about. Um, but yeah, in terms of balancing Pioneer with it, obviously, um, it's been something I've been thinking about for a while. Um, Pioneer has always been running alongside something else, like whether it be A-levels, degree work, you know, uh, it's never been its sole focus. Um, but I realized that, you know, you don't need, say, 100% time or money or anything like that to build a community. So I've actually spent, you know, zero cost on Pioneer and we've earned nothing as well. So completely nothing on either side. Um, and I think building a community, it just requires lots of different skills that aren't necessarily what people think it is in terms of spending hours, you know, trying to develop something. And I think I've learned how to make, say, three hours worth of pioneer work, um, you know, what's equivalent to my old 10 hours. Like, I, I really managed to balance my time a bit better now. Um, so hopefully, uh, you know, the fact that I'm still working on it alongside my degree means that I'll be able to continue it in the future, whether that be working at Morgan Stanley full time uh, and balancing Pioneer along the side as like a side hustle thing, or whether that be, you know, sort of um, taking a bit of a backseat and maybe being like the COO and having someone else lead it. But I always do want to be involved. You know, I never want to step away from it. It's something I'm so proud of. You know, it's like my little baby. I've started it when I was 17 and I, I don't want to, to lose that. Um, so, yeah, definitely nothing. I never want to sort of completely exit it, but is about finding the balance, I think, going further down the line. And who knows, maybe 20 years later, I might have become a full-time entrepreneur or something like that. So yeah, it really just depends. I think I'm excited um, for what lies ahead. And I want to move on to your new venture, um, which is very exciting. So Blaze Careers Tutoring. Um, talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's a uh, very new. Um, I've recently set up a trial for it. So um, if you look at our landing page, it's still on Wix, uh, you know, nothing uh, too serious yet. Um, but basically, it matches someone at university to someone, um, you know, younger than them, maybe also at university or sixth form, um, just to have the, that one-to-one -one aspect for careers advice. I think I've spoken to a lot of sixth formers and they all say, you know, they think maybe careers help has been left too late at schools. They have one careers advisor for the entire year. And it's sort of very, like, not, not personalised at all. And I thought that was really shocking, um, you know, in an age where Gen Z are always talking about careers, you know, there's a statistic that 91% of Gen Z feel some sort of career anxiety. I thought it was really strange how we hadn't had that service yet. So that's something that, yeah, that that's um, the, the main factor behind Blaze, really. And in terms of how you're going to progress it from here, because it's super, super early, as you mentioned, I just had a quick look at the landing page. And I'm, yeah, she looks quite good, to be fair. So what's the next steps? 
yeah, so next steps are to sort of uh, expand our trial maybe a little bit, um, run it for a few more weeks, maybe a few more months, collect feedback before we then launch a proper platform. Um, but at the same time, I'm on NatWest Accelerator and another sort of, it's not really an accelerator, but it's sort of like an entrepreneur program called Hotbed. Um, and the program name's called Overalls, if anyone is interested and wants to join for the next cohort. Um, and yeah, so through both of those, I hope that I'll um, get access to uh, experts or mentors, um, speaking to people. Um, and hopefully through that, we can, once we launch the official website, we can spread uh, across the UK, through universities, through schools, um, and really get it uh, rolled out. And I think university students, you know, we're always looking for an extra way to make money, whether that be a part-time job or like A-level GCSE tutoring. So I really hope that, you know, a lot of people will take up um, the tutor role too. So in terms of the value it's bringing, it's quite, I guess it's quite similar to Pioneer in terms of the kind of industry, I guess. You, you could call it quite similar. Um, and obviously you started Pioneer when you were only 17. How, how are you approaching um, Blaze differently to how you started Pioneer? Because obviously you must have learned so much along the way. Yeah, I think the main thing that I've learned is sort of um, setting very uh, strict goals. So not saying something like increased followers or something like that, you know, I'll, I'll break it down very specifically and it needs to have a number and I need to sort of um, have that accountability aspect in it as well. Because I think with Pioneer, I was very much like stumbling through it. I didn't know what was going on half the time. Um, I just did what I felt like. It was so spontaneous. I never had like a, you know, one year long plan. It was always what's happening in the next three weeks. But for Blaze, I very much set out strict timelines. I'm on the accelerator programs, you know, everything's quite structured. Um, so yeah, more the strict sort of um, setting of goals and of timelines. I break my goals down into like week, daily, weekly, and monthly. Mm. Do you do the same thing? Um, yeah, mostly. I think with my goal setting, it's quite strange how I do it. So like, if I have an idea, I'll suddenly rush to my laptop, I'll go on notes and I'll write down like, Oh, like October goals and I'll just, you know, throw a list on there. And then I'll sort of like keep looking at it every day. And over like a week, I'll start to realize which ones I want most or like which ones I should prioritize. And I'll slowly start to like drift them in. So it's sort of the same system, but it's kind of, again, I, I'm very spontaneous sort of like, I might chuck something on there. Then the next week I think, nah, like I'll leave that. Well, like maybe I'll, I'll move that to January, something like that. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm kind of sporadic in the way I, you know, do yeah. goals. I think also when I do goals, I know we have, we get this, like this smart target shoved down our throat during mm. secondary school. I, do you know what smart yeah, target? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, interestingly, since I started my business, it's actually quite helpful. It's actually quite useful because it helps you like quantify it, set a goal, mm. set a date. I think it's actually, it's quite useful. Mm. Um, my final question is if you could describe a good or successful entrepreneur in three words, what three words would they be and why? Okay. So, I mean, I'm trying to sort of think of words that aren't so typical because, you know, you hear a lot of these things online and I'm trying to think, you know, is there anything specific to me that's not like ambitious and like, oh, all those words that, you know, you might hear online. But I, I think I'll just go like in order, um, like the first one I would be able to think of as typical as it sounds is um, sort of like resilience or being strong. Um, I think it's, it's, there's been so many times that 
throughout Pioneer, like I just sort of wanted to like give up or think, oh, this is so much work. And because during six form, I was doing everything, well, mostly by myself. So I didn't really have a team. So I was, um, you know, there was, there was a week actually where I was breaking down because I had mocks the next week. But um, my Morgan Stanley event was also on that week and they gave me sort of like one week to sort of do the marketing and stuff. Uh, Because obviously if you had a team, it would be manageable. But um, for me, I found it just a little bit quite difficult um, at first. So uh, yeah, that was really hard. But it's about sort of not giving up at that point and thinking, oh, maybe I can just, you know, skip this for now and move on to the next one. It's about thinking, well, I've actually, you know, committed to this. I can't sort of pull out. It's about what you've promised to someone else as well. It's not just about your own gains. So yeah, that's probably one thing. Um, And then the other two words, sorry, I think I've rambled a bit. So I'll just say it very quickly. Uh, It's probably like uh, bold, like taking those risks. Um, And then thirdly, um, I'd probably say, um, I'd probably say like tireless. I, I I don't know if that's sort of the right word, but what I sort of mean about that is say, you know, it could be midnight and you've got like an assignment due the next day, but say it's something really big is happening with your business and you're like, what do I do? Which one do I, which one do I pick? Um, and it's about having that, that mindset that not only just picks one and then starts worrying about the other one, but you're so tireless that you sort of keep going with it. You um, sort of might have to make some sacrifices along the way, but you know what you want. You have to be so set and clear on that. So that's sort of what kept me going is knowing that I had to do this and whether, you know, I'd do what, whatever it takes um, to make sure that goal was done on time. Um, so yeah, that requires a lot of grit, but yeah, definitely something that made me achieve my goals. I know that I said that was my last question, but since you said that, I've just thought of another one. So in terms of your education versus your entrepreneurship, which one do you prioritise? Oh, that's a really, really hard one. So I'm sort of bad in the way I always tend to prioritise my entrepreneurship just because I find it so fun. It's like my own thing. I have complete control over it. And I think that's something I really like. Like I'm someone who, you know, I like making my own decisions and then seeing them come to fruition. I think there's nothing more rewarding than that. Um, so yeah, I, I do prioritize entrepreneurship, like let's say 70%, maybe 80% of the time. But then with my degree, um, what I've learned is having that sort of dual mindset where whenever I'm in the lecture, I make sure I don't check my phone. I don't look at my entrepreneurship emails, you know, I'm fully absorbed in it. And then as soon as it's over, I can switch. So I, I have that sort of like very strict switching now, which I've developed over like the two years of running Pioneer. So yeah, it's become a lot better this year in terms of balancing it out. Yeah, I agree with you. I always struggle to do both things um, because I was like midway through my A-levels, I was or still am business development uh, manager for a contactless and digital business card company. I had the podcast going. Um, I was in the planning stage of enterprising Gen Z events and I also was doing work for Gen Z Talks, which I know you know as well. Yeah. and yeah, I found it really difficult to manage my time. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, this isn't a tip for anybody, but I found the thing which you can skip on is sleep. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too. No, great chatting with you, Sam. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. No worries. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Enterprising Gen Z podcast. If you did enjoy it, please feel free to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening from and a written review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. I've got some pretty exciting news, which I honestly can't wait to share with you all. Um, We've got some big plans for next year and and kind of some big things coming. Um, So I'm really excited to kind of uh, share those with you in later episodes as we lead up to the new year. Um, But yeah, make sure you tune in until then and uh, I'll let you know when uh, kind of everything's finalised and I'm I'm ready to kind of tell everybody what's going to happen. Now, we're always looking for new guests to come on the show so if you are interested head over to egzpod.com and go on the application section and you can schedule a call directly with me to discuss you appearing on the podcast but as i said thank you so much for listening to this episode and i'll see you next week with another one thank you so much and goodbye